I'm on. Good evening. I greet you from the southern regions of Chula Vista, California. Has anybody ever been to South San Diego, Chula Vista? Come on. Wave. Anybody ever had a taco, burrito, tostado? Yeah, that's our country right there. We have had the privilege of being there for about 14 years. We pastor a church there. I'll kind of give you a little synopsis. Um, uh, Kimberly and I, my wife here, is here with me. Uh, we've been married almost 31 years here in a couple of days. And uh, four kids. Thank you. Yeah. Believe me, you're clapping for her. She's put up with a lot for almost 31 years. All the wives know that. Uh, we've got four great kids, uh, 28, 26, 21, and 18. Boy, girl, boy, girl. We are the proud, uh, I was going to say owners, but not owners. We are the proud uh, uh, participants or the, I don't know what we call it now, but we're grandparents. So uh, we've got a five-month-old granddaughter, and then our other daughter, our 26-year-old, is actually pregnant. Going to have a baby, a little girl coming up on the July 4th weekend, and she married a guy with a seven-year-old. So we've got three granddaughters hanging around, and we are like loving life. Come on, anybody in the room loving life right now? No matter what season you're in, love the season that you're in. We've been uh, 14 years in, in uh, Chula Vista, and uh, we spent about 13 years in British Columbia, Canada, pastoring a church there. Went to Rama, the same uh, school, of course, as uh, Pastor uh, Mike and, and, and Beth, and met there in 1984, fell in love, got married, and uh, stayed there a year, and then went back to Tennessee. If you sense a twang in my voice, that's where I'm originally from. So kind of been a little bit all over, but boy, as uh, Mark was saying about Nebraska and Southern California, if you've been anywhere besides here, which probably a lot of you all are transplants, I would say, uh, this is just an amazing place to live. It's the will of God, amen? But wherever you're at, you know, we have found, wherever you're at, we just, we just decided to just bloom where you're planted, like the phrase goes, and you can find God in the middle of a trash can, if that's where you are at right now. No matter what it looks like, God will meet you right where you're at, and we believe, and I believe you found it to be true, that God's will will work no matter if you're in the desert or if you're on a mountaintop or if you're in a valley. If you'll believe God, all things are possible to him or her who believes. Can you get an amen in the house tonight? I'm a kind of talkback preacher, so if you want to talk back to me, that's okay tonight. And uh, I appreciate you being here. Man, I tell you what, on a Wednesday night, fighting traffic, you know, soccer moms and kids and schedules and all. So you're here. Let's believe God for something amazing tonight. Can we do that? Come on, pray real quick with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. Never been a night like it before. Never been in a group of people, including me here in this room, that we've never seen before, that we've never partnered with, that we've never ministered to and been connected with like this night, Father. And so we're believing God for something unusual, something supernatural, something from heaven tonight. Give us a word, oh God, tonight that'll change us and cause our direction to be maybe in a new way. Plant seed tonight, Father. Water seed tonight. Cause seed to grow, our roots to go down, our fruit to be more fruitful, oh God, tonight. Branches to be extended, our heart to be enlarged tonight, Father. We pray for Pastor Mike. We pray for Beth. And we pray for their family, Lord God. Surround them, protect them, deliver them. Cause their vacation time to be restful and peaceful and full of joy and great stories, Father God. Thank you for blessing them while they're away. Thank you for blessing this house while we're here. And for this great weekend coming up with Terry Mize, give him words to speak, oh God. And Brother Ray, when he's going to come next week, give him words to speak, oh God, that'll deposit your will and spirit in this church and we'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? 
just real quick, would you bow your head with your eyes closed? Man, I could be all wrong, so just forgive me if I am, but when I woke up this morning, I just sensed this from the Holy Spirit for somebody here. And if I missed it, I'll stand up and just tell you I missed it. But I just sense that there's somebody here tonight that you have been battling migraine headaches. Just migraines have been just, just off and on in your life. It seems like it's been consistent. It seems like you've had a season of, of like a breakthrough, but then they might have come back a couple different times. Is that anybody in the room? Would you just lift your hand? All right, sis, couple of you. All right, all right. Well, Father, in Jesus' name, we extend your love and your spirit and your word to these two ladies right now. Father, we come against migraines. Whatever the root is, if it's a chemical imbalance, Father, make the balance right now. If it's stress-related, whatever it is, Father God, we pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that your word is sent forth into these bodies and it brings a healing, a cure, and it stops and it's desisted now and forever. We believe in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Going to read a bunch of scripture tonight. Hope you got a Bible. Hope you got an iPad. Hope you got an electronic device or something. I'll read the Bible here. I've got it on my phone, but I'm going to break it open uh, with you tonight. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Familiar passage of scripture to a lot of us in the room tonight. We're going to read a ton of scripture. I'll be reading from the New King James. That's the translation that I read from. I don't know if the guys will have it up on the screen or not, but uh, you can follow along with me as I read. Mark 5, let's go, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains, verse 4, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, look at that, always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with the stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you don't torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we're many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Verse 11, now a large herd of swine was feeding there in the mountains, and all the demons begged him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once, Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. When there was about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city, in the country. And they went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the one who had been demon-possessed, and he had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him and how he had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Verse 17, and they began to plead with him to depart from their reason. That's probably one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. And when he got in the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him. But said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. So he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, the ten cities, all that Jesus had done for him 
and all marveled. Tonight, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my heart all year. It's been a theme for us as a church down south and really been something probably for a couple years for me personally in our church and really felt uh, connected to share this with you tonight. I want to talk to you if you're you know, writing something out tonight just called Being a Missionary. Being a Missionary. Next Sunday, you're going to have one of the greatest missionaries uh, around here preaching to you. And lest you think that I am saying that you need to follow in the footsteps of great missionary like, like Brother Terry Mize, uh, if that's God's will, super, that's wonderful. But really, I, I, I want to focus on this story and look at six or seven points tonight uh, that we can look at and take home about how we are called to be a missionary everywhere we go, everything we do, everything we think, we have to have a missionary aspect to our Christianity, or else we wind up going through life as self-serving, self-seeking, now that I'm in, forget everybody else. Now that I'm in, bless me, help me, anoint me, keep my kids, keep my finances, keep my body, and we'll let everybody else try to figure it out. That's not God's will, that's not God's purpose, that's not why Jesus came. He came for you and everybody else that's like you and not like you. Can I get an amen? A couple of characteristics about missionaries that I know, Brother Terry Mize epitomizes these, and everybody, I know this is a missions-minded church. I know this church supports missions and missionaries all over the world. A couple of characteristics I've seen in missionaries, and you would probably agree with too, is number one, sacrifice. They sacrifice for people they don't know, people that don't speak their same language, people that are a different culture. We see that all the time, whether it's people in Mexico, people in Europe, people in Russia, it makes no difference, Africa. They're great, they're, they're amazing people of sacrifice. And I've witnessed that, that it's not only the mom, the dad maybe that are called, that sacrificial spirit gets off on the kids as well. A second great characteristic that I've seen in all missionaries is just endurance. They just won't quit. It's like they go somewhere, they dig their heels in, and it might be year after year that they don't see the results or the breakthrough that they think they should see, but they just press through, they believe God until they experience a breakthrough. Now, now, those are things that we can see and we can probably all agree upon concerning missionaries on a foreign soil or missionaries even that come to America. But let me tell you what, I'm not talking about someone who goes out there. I'm talking about all of us up in here, right here in Lake Forest, right here in Irvine, in Orange County, right here in San Clemente, right here in Mission Viejo, right here in Laguna Niguel. Right here, God wants you and he wants me to be a missionary. And we are going to have to understand that it's sacrifice. We're living in a world now where we don't speak the same language they speak. They're talking different. They're acting different. They're in another zone. They're in a different mentality. They come from a different culture. The culture of the kingdom is not the culture they are in. So many times when we get born again and we become children of God, all of our friends change, all of our desires change, which they should, our, our desires should, our, our focus changes, but all of a sudden we get new friends, we get new, new, new desires, we get going new paths, and, and everybody else that was out there, nobody goes back to reach those people. We got to sacrifice. We, 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 we got to think about how can I go back and get them out so they get in this kingdom, get in this culture. And we got to endure, just like missionaries, because the people you invite to church, the people you're trying to reach all the time, there's a lot of put-offs. And so I just want to challenge you tonight 
about several things from this story. Maybe write down a couple thoughts that these have helped me. The followers find the lost. The followers find the lost. The lost become found, and the found are made followers to find the lost. It's not just somebody. It's not just somebody that's the evangelist. It's not the special person that comes. It's, it's not, it's, it's not a, a Reinhard Bonnke who's phenomenal German who goes to African crusades. It's, it's not somebody that's quote-unquote anointed. No, it's everybody in the room. It's everywhere you go that you have a realm of influence everywhere you go, that you've got family, number one. That's your first mission field, your family. Family, secondly, your friends, all the friends that are around you. And thirdly, your coworkers, family, friends, and coworkers. That is your mission field. Then it extends beyond that, that the places you frequent, the places you have influence over, when you go to Starbucks every day and that barista is brewing you a coffee, or you go to your 10th you know, union, high school reunion, or you go to business meetings and there's people that are there that are frequent, frequenting with you, and you're the soccer mom and you're there transporting kids, that is your realm of influence. That is the field of missions that God is sending you in to make an eternal difference. If you won't go, if you won't speak, if I won't speak, if I'm just so concerned with my world and my pain and my issues and everything that I'm dealing with that I won't be used by God, who's going to reach those people? It's up to us. We, I believe constantly that everywhere I go, I'm constantly thinking somebody is probably saved that this person knows, a relative, a grandma, somebody, and they're praying, Lord, send a laborer across their path. And guess what? Me and you, we are those laborers. We are those people. Because I know you're like me. You're praying for people that are your family and your friends and your coworkers, hopefully. You're praying for them, and, and, and somebody is then praying for you to be used so you could reach their family and friends and coworkers. Let's let God do something amazing in us. Look at this story tonight. Write down a couple of things. Number one, number one, it says, when Jesus, verse one, came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. He came to the other side. Number one, write it down. Go somewhere. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, go somewhere. Come on, go somewhere. Not tonight. Come on, stay seated. Don't, don't leave right now, right? Don't leave right now. But remember what it says. When you, when you read the start of chapter 5, you know the Bible's written in secession here. And, of course, you read chapter 4, and the end of chapter 4, before we get to chapter 5, it, 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 it's that Jesus and the disciples are in the middle of a great storm. And if you read and you kind of study what's really going on, almost every person that's kind of, you know, a, a, a good theologian, really somebody who studied this and looked at it, this storm is a demonically inspired storm to wreck Jesus and wreck the disciples for one purpose and one purpose only, to keep Jesus and the disciples from going to the other side to reach that man, to reach that man. So listen to me. You got to know that when you are getting ready to go do something great for Jesus, can I say it this way up in here? All hell's going to break loose. Somebody said it this way. You're going ha to have trouble in your life when you're in the will of God, and you're going to have trouble in your life when you're out of the will of God. Can I get an amen up in here? You got to learn. You got to know what to, what's going on. You got to know why the storm's coming. The storm is coming here to try to keep Jesus and the disciples from reaching this man. 
The Bible says in Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Again, not just written to 12, not just written to 70, not just written to some people in Acts chapter 1 who got filled with the Holy Spirit, but written to all of us. And it says that, I love what it says here. It says that they came to the other side. Come on, say the other side. I just think that is so amazing when I read the Bible. They came to the other side of the lake. Now, if you've been there, I was there a couple years ago to Israel. Some of, some of y'all have probably been there. The, the Lake of Galilee, it's, 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 it's a good distance, but they came to the other side. So it wasn't like driving across from north to south in California. It, it wasn't that far, right? It was several miles, but they came to the other side. I just think that we need to get the mentality, I just need to go to the other side of the office. I just need to go to the other side of my schoolroom. I just need to go to the other side, probably on a Sunday in church, because there's somebody here that Jesus wants me to reach. There's somebody here that needs to hear something from God. Help me work with you so I will go somewhere and be a participant with your power, your word, and your spirit to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. Secondly, there he was, Jesus with his disciples. They get to the other side, write it down, get out of your boat. Get out of your boat. It says when he came to the other side, he got out of the boat. Verse 2, when he had come out of the boat. Uh, Jesus would have never reached anybody staying in the boat. The boat to me represents my comfort zone. The boat to me represents what I'm used to. What I want, uh, what I always see, my, my, my realm, and I'm in this realm, and I control this realm. And can I just say this? I believe Jesus wants all of us to get uncomfortable reaching people for him, stretching beyond your own comfort zone. I am a guy that I like going from point A to point B with as little trouble as possible. I am the guy, when we go places with the kids, it's like we're going from here to there, and we ain't stopping. Can all the men say amen? <laughs> we're going to eat on the road. If you've got to go to the bathroom, you're going to hold it. we got three more. You better hold it, hold it, hold it. <laughs> Trying to get there. And, and, and really, honestly, that is not a good way to go through life. I need to slow down. I need to take it easy. I need to just pull back to see what God's really doing, kind of like somebody used a phrase years ago, it's really helped me, that Jesus was a master at walking slowly through the crowd. I don't believe Jesus was rushing through the crowds. He walked slowly through the crowd, I believe, listening to the voice of the Spirit to see if God Almighty wanted him to do anything in any situation with anybody. I, I, the other day, and it happens to me all the time, uh, I just tell on myself, you know, I, I, my, I have, I've got a truck, a Toyota truck, and, and the tire was a little bit low. And, and so I went to get gas, and, and I know they had the air thing there. And, and so as I'm getting gas, I, I saw this girl who, who's a convenience girl who works in the store. She was going out to do something at the air machine. And while she's walking across there, I sense the Holy Spirit say, you need to talk to her, right? But I'm busy. And I just saw my tires low and, and the gas, but I've got to go somewhere. Anybody, anybody like that besides me? Come on, y'all are looking at me kind of mean out there. Come on, nod your head a little bit. Help a preacher out tonight, will you? 
And so, and, and so I, I'm, I'm having this war, right? I'm having this war. And like, and to be honest with you, I, I've repented several times. I don't need to keep repenting over it, but I've repented. I, I just didn't do it. I just got in the truck and off I went. I don't know what happened in that encounter. I really don't know what I was going to say. I really don't know. I, I just, I don't know what I was going to do when I got there. And that's really not the point. The point was for me to get out of my boat. Um, amazing story in John 4. You've read it before. Wednesday night crew. You guys are the Marines out here on a Wednesday night. John 4, the, the story of the woman of Samaria. That Jesus, it said, he must, I need to go. I must go through Samaria. And when you read the story, it was for one woman. But that woman was instrumental in reaching the entire city for Jesus. Because after she heard, after she got her need met, she went back to town and told all the men. All the men came out. And the Bible says Jesus stayed there two more days. Two more days. One man, Jesus, one God-man, anointed by the Holy Spirit, led by God, hears from God and says, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm thirsty for my journey. But he goes and he waits for a divine connection with one woman. Jesus, the ultimate missionary, reaching one person, but that one person, instrumental, not just for a family, not just for a business, but for a whole city, hearing the gospel. Could God want to do something like that in your life? I believe he would. In Luke chapter 10, another great familiar story, we see the story of the Good Samaritan. Amazing story. You know, the Levite and the priest walk by and see this guy beat up, busted up, tore up, bloodied, like he'd been in an MMA fight, not a Mayweather and Pacquiao fight. <laughs> when that, he, he didn't look like that. But they passed right by, and yet the Bible says that this guy saw him and he has compassion on him. And so he took him on his own donkey and he bandaged him and he took him to the innkeeper and evidently he had some credit with the innkeeper. Evidently he was a man of integrity, which is real important. And, and, and he paid his way. He put oil and wine and took care of him and, and told that guy, you know, whatever else you need, I'll pay you when I come back. And, and of course, we know the story about what Jesus is trying to tell us that we need to be the same. We need to get out of our boat. Go across the office. I, I just challenge you. Look in the office tomorrow. Look in the Starbucks. Look at the places that you're going all the time. You moms that have hauling kids back and forth to baseball and soccer and ballet. Look at who's there. Look at, take a second and just look at the faces of the people you're dealing with on a constant basis and a consistent basis. And something we're challenging our church to do all the time, and I just challenge you to, is not just, you know, have that kind of look and kind of tell somebody, hey, I'll pray for you. Can I pray with you about anything? Yeah, sure. Listen, can I challenge you to do something right there in the middle of Target, right there in the middle of, of, of Starbucks, right there in the middle of the parking lot, right there in the middle of the office, if it's okay in your office, grab somebody by the hand and just pray. I'm not talking pray hellfire and brimstone and, and, and shouting and angels and glory. I'm not talking. I'm just saying just pray and let God come right in the middle of everybody's everyday life. And I guarantee you, God is going to show up in you, through you, and in that situation. Get out of your boat. Get out of your boat. What else we see? Number three, 
There Jesus goes the other side. Jesus gets out of his boat. Jesus knows what's coming. He's God. He knows what's coming. The Bible says there met a man out of the tombs, right? First thing that came up, a man comes running up. A crazy man. This is no ordinary man. Come on, this is demoniac. This is, this is a demon-possessed guy. So number three, write it down. Don't forget it. Be okay around unclean situations. Be okay around unclean situations. As a pastor, and, 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 you know, we've, we've been in counseling sessions, and, and there's some hairy stuff that goes on in people's lives, and we've been in situations where, where, where I'm trying to tell my face, don't look crazy right now. Because, come on, you're hearing something, right? Come on, y'all ever been there? And, and somebody's telling you something, and it's like so wild and crazy, you just want to go, wah! But that's not going to help them, so you hold it back, right? Um, uh, can I just say this? You know, we're living in a crazy world. But if this crazy world thinks that we think they're crazy, we're not ever going to be able to help them. So Jesus, I love this part of Jesus. This guy comes up, and he's just, he's just going at it. And Jesus is okay with it. Listen, God is okay with unclean stuff because God knows unclean stuff isn't going to mess with him. Now, I'm not saying go hang out in places maybe where you shouldn't be hanging out, but I'm saying when it comes to people, when it comes to situations, at the, the church world has been known to be arm's distance to certain subjects and to certain people. Can I tell you, I think we ought to be embracing all kinds of people. Not loving sin, not loving what they're dealing with, but here we've got to have our arms open so that they can come close, that we can show them a better way. It's interesting, the Bible says here about this guy that he was living among the tombs. Uh, it's interesting, I, I think that we could all agree that tombs are where dead stuff is. So, I believe we got to be okay with decay, stench, sorrow, pain, hurt, fears, frustrations, and anger. Our so society is full of people that are sexually unclean, have unclean speech, tell dirty jokes, crazy stuff. Their thinking's unclean, their habits are unclean, but the Bible says the believer, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. The Bible says you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're called to be a sheep in the midst of wolves. So somewhere in our DNA, God has deposited the ability to be around dead, decaying, stinking, hurting, frustrated, worried, demoniac, angry, bitter, negative, jealous, gossiping, just want to hit somebody kind of people in the middle of it all where we can show them Jesus loves you and he's got a better plan for your life. I love what Paul says. You know, Paul says like stuff like this in the, in the book of Ephesians and on those letters. He says, and such were some of you. I love that. Kind of like, all right, Paul, you pin me the wall one more time. Just remember where you came from. 
Let me read it one more time here, verse 3 through 5. It says about this guy. He had his dwelling among tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains. He often had been bound with shackles and chains. The chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, always he was in the mountains and the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. Uh, notice a couple things here I think is really interesting. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe a thought for all of us. This guy really had a personality change. Uh, the demon talking in him, we would say. Uh, you're around people who are trying to be something they're really not. They go through personality changes. They're, 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 they're with you one way, and they're with their boss another way. You're with them all the time. He had an, exhibited antisocial behavior. He was alone all the time in the tombs, and there's people in your office, in your group, in your family that are alone. Even in church, look for people who are alone. Look for people who sit alone. Look for people who are always alone. It's an indication maybe God wants you to reach them, have compassion on them, reach them. This guy exhibited spiritual insight. Of course, it was a demon in the guy. I get it. But he knew Jesus. He knew something. I just get the picture, and so many times people know something about God, but what they know about God is twisted. It's not really who God is. The guy exhibited superhuman strength. He broke the chains, it says. And so we have people around us. Again, the analogy for me is that they're gifted workers. They can make a lot of money. They're educated. They're problem solvers, but they're still bound and broken on the inside, needing Jesus. This guy had tendency towards self-destruction. It says he would cut himself with rocks, cut himself. How many people in our society are dealing with internal battles and struggles and sins and addictions, inwardly broken and outwardly maybe looks like they're successful? This guy didn't wear clothes. I don't know where we're going to go with that, but we'll say this. For me, it just signifies the shame, there's guilt, condemnation of past mistakes. He's not been clothed with the robe of righteousness. He's, he's really messed up. He didn't even live in a house. He didn't live in a house. He's disconnected. He's, he, he's distant from relationships, from people. And so really, guys, listen, if we're not okay with these kind of people, I'm not talking about homeless, although that could be part of it. I'm talking about with the people on the outside look great, making six figures. I mean, make, making seven figures. Got everything going on. Got a house here, got a house there, got a house there. Everything seems to be cool. Jet set and moving around. But on the inside, man, they're broken. And who's going to reach them? Who's going to reach them? People just like you, people just like me. Students in school, in college, who's going to reach them? People just like you, people just like me. The Bible says that when he saw Jesus, uh, verse 6, he, he ran. I love this. He ran, and he worshiped him. Um, I, I think this is huge for us. Um, number four, just maybe write it down. Just show people Jesus. Show people Jesus. I, I'm the kind of guy that if you know me, it, it, you, 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 if you know me for three minutes, you pretty much know me. I don't have any hidden agenda. I pretty much am the way I am around anybody. And I just think that Jesus is amazing, that he's got something in him. Of course, he's God. I get it. But you got God on the inside of you, that there ought to be something in us that is attractive to other people, that people come to us. Can I say amen up in here? I just believe that there ought to be something that draws us you know, two people and something that draws those people to us. I believe Jesus in you makes you attractive. 
And so this guy is seeing something in Jesus, and he's running, and he's worshiping. And of course, there's a struggle. We'll talk about it in a minute. But, but just concerning who you are, let me just talk to you for a second, that how you work, how you talk, how you do what you do at work, how you do what you do with your family, with your children, around family events and other things, how you do with your coworkers, how you live your life. Character is huge. Uh, being a team player at work is huge. People are watching you. Listen, your bar is set higher if you profess Christ than anybody else. They automatically will set you higher on a pedestal, whether, whether that's right or wrong. It's just the way it is. So since the bar is set high, let's just let our light shine and let's just love people. Let's believe in people. Let's be people of hope and courage and strength. Let's be people who are on time. Let's just be people who make a difference in the marketplace that people want this God that we serve. You're doing a couple of grunts and a couple of amens, but that was all right. Jesus was a magnet, wasn't he, huh? Jesus was a magnet. People just wanted to be around him. In fact, the religious leaders and the disciples kind of got ticked and kids wanted to come up and just hang out with Jesus. That tells me that we ought to be kid-friendly. Kids ought to want to hang around us. I believe that with all my heart. Your lifestyle won't save anybody. That's clear. But your lifestyle will definitely point people in the right direction. And so let's not let that be a hindrance. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I, uh, I was raised in a Christian home. My mom and dad, uh, we went to Baptist church when we were kids, and then we went to, uh, my dad worked for Eastman Kodak for 37 years. And so... I was born in Long Island, New York, and then we moved to Cleveland, Ohio, and then back to upstate New Jersey while he worked in the city, and then down to Kingsport, Tennessee, where I spent most of my life growing up. And uh, uh, we went to a Christian church, and as a little kid, I, I remember kind of scratching my head as a seventh grader, kind of going, okay, we're going to this church, and all the elders and all the who's who of the church, when they did the break between the Sunday school and the big service, uh, all the who's who were outside under the canopy telling jokes and smoking cigars and cigarettes. I couldn't figure that out. As a little kid, I couldn't figure it out that, that you guys are, in my mind, right or wrong, whatever, I'm just saying, you're saying something, and I, now you're acting this way, and, you're, and there was a huge disconnect. So for all of us in the room, let's let who we are here be who we are out there. And let's let who we are here really be who we are in the home, number one. In the home, number one. Now, this guy um, said a moment ago, this demon-possessed guy ran and worshiped Jesus, cries out with a loud voice, verse 7 and 8. You know, we read it a moment ago. What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? You know, I implore you, don't torment me. Of course, that's the, the demon inside the man. Jesus was saying, come out of the man. Can I say something And just reaching people is that there's going to be a fight. When you're reaching people, there's going to be a fight because nobody... Not too many people, I should say it this way, get clean instantly. The devil is going to try to come back. You know, addictions might try to come back. Strongholds might try to come back in somebody that you're trying to reach. And so you're going to have to be a person that just makes up your mind, I am going to reach people, and I'm going to keep reaching them, and I'm going to keep being for them. And I'm not, I'm not talking about being used and being manipulated and being abused, but you, uh, until, you know, the, there's grace and then there's, um, you, maybe you need to cut the cord on some people. I get that sometime. But overall, your mindset is, I am going 
going to keep working with people and let them work out their own salvation. I'm going to be there. I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to be just like, you know, we're in, we're in the grandparent thing now, and our youngest granddaughter, well, she's five months old, and so she's not even rolling yet. But, but I remember with my own kids that when they were starting to walk, they're called toddlers for a reason. Toddlers fall. And so what do you do as a parent when a toddler is walking? You're encouraging them, walk, walk, come here, come to pop, come on, come to mama, come, 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 come. And when they fall, you're there to grab them. And when they fall, you don't go, you big dummy. What are you doing? How come you can't walk? I told you once to walk. And I think we do that with people finding their way to Jesus. I think we do that. So let me just encourage you. Let's have long patience and endurance with people. Let's believe God. Let's trust God. Let's just go the extra mile. And when people fall, let's just keep picking them up. I believe this is a pick people up kind of church. Anybody want to agree with that? The result, the end goal, of course, you know, the, the, the demons got cast out. They went the 2,000 pigs. They, you know, went flying off the side, and the town people went crazy, and, and the town people want well, to kick Jesus out of the region. But I love what the end result was in the guy, because the whole thing was about getting the guy free. It wasn't about the economic loss. It wasn't about all that. Jesus really didn't care about that. It was about setting this guy free. And it says that, when the town people came back to Jesus in verse 15, that they saw the one who had been demon-possessed, and he was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. That, that, to me, is just the epitome of total freedom. And that's exactly what Jesus wants for you and for the people we're reaching. Total freedom. They were sitting. They were at peace. He was clothed. Again, I think of clothing, you know, based on being clothed with a robe of righteousness. And he was in his right mind. He has soul renewed. He, he was being, you know, not, no, no longer conformed to the world, but he was being transformed by the renewing of his mind, that his mind was back intact, that he could think normal. He, he, he was no longer naked and running around, a, a crazed man, that he experienced total freedom. He experienced total transformation. Jesus wants this for the people we're reaching. That's his goal that the demoniac then, something amazing happened. The demoniac asked Jesus, you know, I want to be with you. And Jesus said, no, go back to your place. Go back home and tell them what great things God has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. To to, to me, when I read this, I just kind of like, I shake my head because uh, it's so anti what we've been taught now to a great degree that, that Jesus didn't say to the demoniac, hey, uh, you hang around me and go through a 12-step program. Uh, you, know, come, you need to go to four years of Bible school. You need to learn Greek and the Hebrew. You need to learn how to speak. You need to learn, you know, and we got to clean up some stuff in your life. And, and we don't know. We're going to take a test and we're going to see how much you know. He didn't know anything. Didn't know anything. The guy who had just had demons cast out of him, Jesus then says, go back home and just tell people how God has had compassion on you. So that tells me no matter where you're at tonight, no matter how much you know or don't know or how much you think you know or don't know, you know enough to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. God wants you to tell your story. 
He wants you. You are the only one that has your testimony. So don't let your pain be wasted. Don't let the situation that you've come through be wasted. Don't let what you've dealt with in your body, what you dealt with in your mind, what you dealt with with your kids, what you dealt with your marriage, what you dealt with in your business, with the bankruptcy or the divorce, don't let anything be wasted. God is a master. He can use that to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. Tell your testimony how God has had compassion on you. I read a story. Let me read it to you here. We'll close here in just a second. Maybe you've heard this before. Once upon a time, there was a drowning. A man was drowning, was completely unable to save himself. A boat came along filled with people who were passionate about debating whether or not drowning people were predestined to drown or whether they were drowning because of their own choice of sin. Another boat came along with people who were doing an in-depth Bible study on how to help drowning people. They studied salvation, faith, and grace, but never helped the man. A third boat came along filled with people who were praying passionately for drowning people. They had special prayer meetings and sometimes even fasted, but they never helped the man. A fourth boat sailed by and noticed that the drowning guy and said, uh, we love our boat just the way it is. If, if he came into a boat, it would change things. We'd have to make adjustments, and everybody not, might not know everybody. So they kept sailing. The fifth boat showed up with people who just yelled at the drowning guy for getting himself into that situation. A sixth boat came along and told the drowning man that they would love to help him, but they needed him to dry himself off and stop making all that noise because it would disrupt their boat. Seventh boat came along and stopped, of course, and rescued the man who was drowning. The story goes on to say, we're called to rescue drowning people. No debate, no questions, just help. Just help. The windstorm came up and tried to knock Jesus off course. And we know Jesus is a master and he knows, his, he knows what's going on and so he speaks to the storm, and there was a great calm. And yet when he gets to the other side, there was a situation, a person that needed him. And tonight, you could be in the middle of a great storm, economically, physically, emotionally, maritally, whatever. I, I'm, I'm challenging you to think that this storm won't stop me, that this storm won't deter me, that this storm, I'm going to let it move me forward in my destiny and my purpose, which includes being used by Jesus to reach people for his kingdom. Somebody said this, I don't know the, the, the author, but they said, I've never found a dynamic movement that was shy about its message. I've never found a dynamic movement that was shy about its message, that you're my job, is to be bold and aggressive, not ugly, not nasty. I don't think we need to sit on the street corner with signs that say turn and burn. You know, down where we're at, there's a group of people that get on the street corner with mega horns, megaphones on Saturday morning, and they preach, 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 preach. And I'm like going, would you just, that's really not helping anybody. Not really helping anybody. But the thing that will help is you reaching your family, your friends, and your coworkers, because you know them and they know you. And there's already a connection there. 
uh, my son-in-law, Tony, went to high school at this place down south and been there. He's a, high, he's a native Chula Vista guy. And so he and my daughter have been married a little over a year. And Tony, uh, um, I, I don't subscribe to this. We don't think this is the greatest way, but my daughter started dating Tony when Tony wasn't born again. You know, and we had lots of talks about that. Well, anyway, Tony came to church, and Tony got saved, and Tony got filled with the Holy Spirit, and Tony's amazing. He and our daughter are leading our youth ministry. Well, Tony starts, you know, on social media after all these years now, about three years or so, and he's posting all kinds of stuff about Jesus and God and this and that and stuff, and, 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 and people have been watching. People have been watching. One such person came to church on Sunday. Guy he's known since he was in kindergarten with. And his soon-to-be wife, Christina, who are living together, they came to church on Sunday. I called them on Monday. Love church, amazing. They text Tony back and said, church was amazing. It's exactly what we needed. All because one guy gets his life turned around and starts using every avenue to reach people. Tony's not unique. Tony's not, Tony's not uh, uh, an aggressive, bold guy. He's just a guy that says, Jesus changed my life. I believe Jesus can change everybody's life. How easy is that? Just go to the other side of your Facebook page. Go to the other side of your text. Go to the other side of your office. Go to the other side of the soccer field. I challenge you, on Sunday, go to the other side of the room. God, what, what's going on here? I haven't seen that guy before. Maybe you want me to reach him. Maybe you want me to talk to him. And I believe Jesus will open up doors and use you in a miraculous way. Do you believe that tonight? Let's do this. I've got this on my heart before we close. Thank you. It's 8.05. We'll be out of here in three minutes. Three minutes, promise. I want you to think right now of your family. Come on, just bow your head right there. Close your eyes. Would you do it? Your family members who are unsaved, who are they right now? You probably got them on your mind right now. So let's do what the Bible says. We're going to pray to the Father in Jesus' name to send laborers across their path. So don't pray real big out loud, but pray out loud enough so you can hear it with your own, own, own ears. Father God, in Jesus' name, we just come on, just say this with you. Dear Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to send laborers across. Say their name. Just say their name. Say their name. Your family. Aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, cousins, nieces. Say their name right there, wherever they're at. Wherever they're at. Wherever they're at. Right now, your friends. You've got some friends. Right there, your head bowed, your eyes closed. You got some friends. Come on, say it with me. Father, come on, say it with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you right now to send laborers across. Come on, say their names. Who are their names? Your friends right now. Your friends. Your friends. Maybe you don't know them. That, that, that barista, Lord God, I see him all the time. I see that person at Target all the time. I see that person at, at the laundromat all the time. I see that person at the dry cleaner all the time. Well, let's, let's think about your coworkers right now. Your coworkers. One more time. Say it with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I ask you to send laborers across the paths of my coworkers. Come on, say their name. Say their name. 
Open up their hearts, Father God. Open up their eyes, O oh God. Take the veil off their heart. Let them hear. Let them see Jesus. Come on, say this one more time. Dear Heavenly Father, use me. Use me for your kingdom. I pray in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that that prayer would be a starting point, a rebirth, a connecting point for so many in this church. I pray that as we pray that, you are going to bring demoniacs across our path. You're going to bring hurting people, broken people, confused people, oh God. You're going to do it this week. That's what you do. When we ask, we believe we receive, not just for our own need, but for your kingdom, oh God. And so, Father, you're going to do it. Alert us. Father, I pray that not be like me, that we'll walk slow through the crowd. We'll get out of our boat. We'll go somewhere, oh God, and we'll let you speak to us, and we won't. We won't have a strange look on our face when we're here on clean things or we're around the tombs or the death of people's lives that are just hurting and broken. But Father, we realize that the balm of Gilead, God Almighty, the anointed one, you live in us to help in a very real way like the Good Samaritan, bandage the wound, hurt, healed the man, brought him to an end. You're going to use us. You're going to use us to heal a broken society, wounded hearts. We pray, Father God, we pray tonight in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're done. <laughs> Listen, um, I just shout out for me and, and, and Kimberly. We love your pastors. We just think they're man. So thanks for loving them. Thanks for supporting them. Thanks for praying for them and believing God for everything that's going around here. And uh, have a great time. We'll see you next time.